Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm your media host, Natalie Bourne, and I'm also the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Well, guys, one of the things I want to let you know is that we are now on YouTube. So not only can you listen to this interview on your normal podcast platforms, but head over to YouTube as well and check us out there. As you know, on the Thrive Today platform, our goal is to take the authority of God's word and connect it with your nine to five at work. And I have a special treat for you today, guys. I have Valerie Burton joining me, and she is going to be talking to us today from her wealth of experience. She is the CEO of Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute, and she's the author of 13 books, including the most recent book, Let Go of the Guilt. Today, we're going to talk to her about her amazing article in our second edition of the Thrive Today magazine on competition. Welcome to the podcast, Valerie. Thank you, Natalie. So good to be with you. It's great to see you again. Well, I am excited to talk about this article because I know that it created a lot of buzz on our platforms when we started kind of taking a what feels like an elephant in the room and pulling it out in the middle, painting it red and talking about it. Can you tell us a little bit about that conversation? Just give us a lens into the idea of competition and rivalry. And as women, how should we be dealing with some of these things? Well. I've had the wonderful opportunity to be friends with Pastor Colleen Rouse now for about 15 years. And so having that conversation with her about competition among women, uh, first of all, she was someone who at no point have I ever felt competition has always been support. That feeling of someone there who's going, okay, what are your needs and how might I be a supportive friend? How can we strengthen our friendship? Like, it's just been amazing. And so for her to ask me to do that, number one, she's such a role model of being exactly the opposite of a competitor. And yet, I mean, I would say she's a competitive person in that she's all about excellence. And that's not a negative with competition. Competition is a good thing, but always striving to be an even better version of herself and to serve in an even better way. And that, I think, is really the way all of us should be looking at our own lives. Whenever we're looking and comparing to others, we have to ask ourselves what that's about. Typically, there is some sort of insecurity that's lying beneath that. That's so powerful. And I think as we kind of dig deeper into that trench, what happens if you feel like you're in a good place, you're not comparing yourself to others, but you keep finding yourself in situations where people are comparing themselves to you, or you feel Mm -hmm. like people are being competitive towards you? How do you navigate some of that? Yeah. I, well, I think first of all, if you're in a position where people may naturally make comparisons and that happens, that can happen to the kid who's really good at school and maybe the friend's parents do that. Why can't you be more like Natalie Mm -hmm. or like Michael or whatever? And it can put a person in a very awkward situation. Yeah. So one, you don't want to feed into that and you want to be sensitive to it. When you are accomplishing goals, when you're going to the next level of success, there are going to be people around you who may be intimidated by that. Now, that's not your responsibility to fix because, first of all, it's not something you can fix. However, if you have your own insecurities, you could further feed into it. So you've got to be honest with yourself 
about how you're showing up with people and how you're valuing people. Because if we're valuing who the other person is, it's really not about what they do. Mm. It is about how they're showing up and who they are and why it is you're in relationship with them in the first place. So are you putting too much emphasis on the external achievements or in your everyday interactions, are you praising and really valuing the things that really matter? Character traits, friendship, trust, all of those sorts of things, which really are the core of what matters in our relationships with other people. So again, you can't control if somebody's just super insecure and they can't handle being around you. That doesn't mean that you don't want to be around them, but oftentimes it means there's something there for them to deal with, but not feeding into it. And also finding something to compliment about them. We all have strengths. So I always say one of the biggest goals is to be somebody who spots other people's strengths and acknowledges them. Wow. Right. So if they're the person that's always looking out for others, say that. It's amazing how you always look out for other people. Or it's amazing how creative you are. Like you come up with things that I would never think of. And those little things, because oftentimes our own strengths we take for granted. We just assume everybody can do it. It feels good when somebody else notices it. So when you become that kind of a noticer, when you become that person that spots strengths, oftentimes people are feeling so good around you and they really kind of balance out their focus, right? It's not so much about, oh, I've got to measure up to be like this person. It's more, huh, yeah, I have something to bring to the table too. It's just different. I love that you said that because my executive coach always says leadership is how others experience themselves when they're around you. And I love that because what you're doing is you're helping them to figure out who they are. You're pulling out the things in them that you see and you're playing that back to them in a way where hopefully they can see that too. And it's not to say that we have to cover for people insecurities and that we're not going to be able to fill those voids. We all know that, but we can still be a positive example when we're in that person's presence. I really love that. Absolutely. And that's a big part of leadership. You need to understand the strengths of the people around you. And that means you need to be the kind of person who's always noticing those strengths. It's very easy to notice people's weaknesses. It's very easy to point out what's wrong. Yeah. But really strong leaders notice what's right and find ways to build on that. That's huge. Because I think we just live in a culture that naturally is looking for the negative. When you're looking at the positive, Mm -hmm. you're noticing those things. You might be the only person in the room (laughs) noticing (laughs) what's good. Let's talk a little bit about kind of some brain science around this, right? We know that just constant comparison can create an unhealthy environment, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Let's talk a little bit about, let's say you're the one that's that's constantly looking and comparing and feeling like you've got this measuring stick and you're never measuring up to maybe some of the other people in your life. How can we actually think about our own mind and renew our own mind to think differently about competition. Oh, that's so good. I talk quite a bit about the concept of upward social comparisons in a book I wrote called Happy Women Live Better because upward social comparisons decrease our happiness and our joy. But we have more opportunity for it today than ever before because social media reality television. We just have access so much more to other people's lives or what we perceive Mm -hmm. as other people's lives. And so the research shows 
that when we are constantly comparing ourselves to those we think are doing better than we are, this creates an issue with us. We never feel like we're doing enough. One of the ways to balance it out, because it's somewhat natural to look around you because we're looking for a measuring stick. How am I doing here? You can overdo it, but it would be unusual for somebody in a marketplace environment to never pay attention to what others are doing around them. But you want to make sure you balance it out. You're not just looking at those that you perceive as doing better, but you're also looking at those that you perceive you're doing better than. Because if we're only looking up, of course, we always feel like we're not measuring up. But there are always those people that are coming along. There are always those people who haven't done quite as much as you have. And sometimes, I've found this, especially as you move up, it can be easy to just ignore that, my goodness, I've really climbed. I've really improved but I'm not paying any attention to how far I've come. I'm just looking at how much farther I have to go. Wow. And so this is about an intentional choice to make sure that there's a balance when you are comparing. And that balance is not just skewed upward, but that we're also looking downward too, because we're somewhere on a spectrum. And what we really need to do is put things into perspective. That's so good. It's even as I hear you talking about this, I think what a really cool activation thing for our women to do would be to actually start to plot out their own personal journey and career and so that they can look back and see how far they have come, kind of what you're speaking to there, so that it's not all about trying to get to the next rung on the ladder or the next stop on the journey, but it's really about looking back and reflecting on, I'm not where I was a year ago and I'm definitely not where I was five years ago because sometimes when we look at our life in light of that, we actually start to feel some encouragement for where we, we've been and where we're going. Absolutely. And also when we are looking at those who, they might need our mentorship, they might need our help in some way, that perspective is extremely important. In fact, when you have thoughts that are constantly negative or pessimistic, that might even skew towards a mild depression, one of the things that can help is looking at those you might be able to help right? It takes your focus off of you and helps you recognize that, hey, things might not be where I want them to be, but I'm really blessed. Like there's some really great things going on in my life and there are those that I can help. So when we take the focus off of ourselves, it's really powerful for lifting us to a higher place. We know that service, for example, is a happiness trigger, making sure that you're serving others. And we know that lines up with the word of God. And so when you get stuck in those places, yeah, great coaching questions. How far have I come? Mm -hmm. Do a year in review. Look back over the last year. Where have you made the most progress? And how far have you come? It might be in your relationships or your finances or, or your career, your health, but being very intentional about noticing because one of the other pieces of research that really applies here is this idea of a hedonic treadmill. And Mm -hmm. all that means is we adapt to continually improving circumstances. So (laughs) things that we get used to, things that have improved, and now that's our new norm. And so making sure we notice, wait a minute, I've come a long way. Like five years ago, I was hoping to be in this place, but I've gotten used to it. So I forget where I was five years ago. So it's that, that looking back with gratitude and paying attention to your journey that can put you in the right mindset. 
Wow. This almost makes me wonder if this is why we don't celebrate things because we just, it's almost like a frog in the pot, right? As the water boils and turns up, you just get used to that temperature. And so we don't realize how far we've come along the way. And therefore we don't really stop and celebrate those mile markers, which are so important in our journey. That's absolutely right. I, did, I just did a whole teaching in my membership on this. It's so interesting that you used the word celebrate because that was our theme. Wow. Is to celebrate because a lot of times as women, we don't, we might celebrate others. We might celebrate our kids, our spouse, our coworkers, but we'll hold back on celebrating our own milestones. We'll minimize them. And so we have to give ourselves permission to be able to celebrate, to be able to say, yeah, like maybe I'm not exactly where I thought I would be by this point, but I'm not where I used to be. And I'm allowed to celebrate. I don't have to wait until I get to that final finish line. I can celebrate the milestones along the way. And another really important piece of that is who else can I celebrate? Mm. Right? Like who who in your life is like you? (laughs) They don't celebrate themselves. Or who in your life has helped you get to where you are now? And you could celebrate them for that. It becomes this act of gratitude. We don't get anywhere alone. And so this is extremely, I think, important for us to be intentional about the celebrating piece. Okay. Could you help me pick apart what's healthy competition? Like healthy drives you forward, makes you a better person, makes you a better believer, makes you a better coworker, helps you to show up the right way, gets you kind of the, what you need in the market, right? As far as market share, that kind of competition versus the kind of the ugly side of competition. How do we decipher this? If it all feels like it's in one kind of spaghetti bowl in our life. Anything that feels dysfunctional, toxic is not taking you from a place that feels like, yeah, this is where God wants me to be. And that's always a really great measure. So if there's no purpose behind that competition, it's just about being better, whatever better looks like to the other person than the other person, excuse me. If you find yourself doing things that don't really line up with your values because you're just in a race to look better than the next person. If you find yourself talking about other people as a way to feel better or feel like you're the better competitor, if whatever it is you're doing is not in a spirit of love, Mm. right? All of those things, we know we should be showing up with love, with kindness, right? It should be producing the fruit of the spirit. If that's not there, we need to take a step back. To me, that's really simple. But also, if what we're feeling about ourselves doesn't line up with what the word says about us, so we're beating ourselves up, we are, we might even in our minds be berating ourselves, calling ourselves names because we're not measuring up, even though clearly that's not what God's saying about us. I mean, this sounds so, it sounds like, oh, Valerie, is that all there is to it? Yeah, because I think the word is very simple. Yeah. Right? But what we often hear in the world or the messages that we're getting that we're not enough are lies. Mm -hmm. Those messages are inaccurate. And so being able to call those things out is 
really important. So if it feels toxic, if it feels dysfunctional, if it's not lined up with what God says about you, then it's unhealthy competition. Mm. If it's separating you from people rather than bringing you closer to people, if it's separating you from moving forward in a positive manner, right? Because everybody's going in different ways as opposed to being able to collaborate. You need to question it and question it even if it feels uncomfortable or there's a part of you that's like, yeah, but I still want whatever (laughs) that thing is. Because oftentimes our insecurities really want to get in the driver's seat. Mm. And we have to make a decision that our fears and our insecurities are not going to be in the driver's seat. Our values are going to be in the driver's seat. The things that really matter most to us from a spiritual perspective are what are most important. That's so good. I would love to take this conversation and lean it a little bit into your book, Let Go of the Guilt. Let's talk a little bit about about that book for a moment, because I would love, even as I hear us talking about competition and some of these things, I can see how that can lean into these other areas. And I would love to talk about that book just a little bit. So in Let Go of the Guilt, the subtitle is Stop Beating Yourself Up and Take Back Your Joy. Wow. I discovered the topic out of 13 books. My books are always about positive subjects, generally speaking. It's around happiness, around resilience, around communication. (laughs) And it wasn't until I really started diving into this that I was like, oh, man, this is a heavy topic. I had not thought of it that way, but it came about because as I was speaking all over the country, most often to women, I was just peppering in some of my own stories. And I would talk about some of the guilt I sometimes felt when I would travel. My traveling is mostly just overnight. It's to go speak and come right back home. But once I became a mom, I would, I mean, I'd be walking to the airport feeling guilty. I was just guilt. And it wasn't just the traveling. It was, oh, I'm dropping my son off at preschool. Maybe I should be working. Maybe I should not be working. Maybe I should you know, be at home, which is not my calling, <laughs> which I had to like come to the conclusion about, like, that's not my yeah. journey. That's someone else's journey. And that's great for them. But this is not what God's called me to. And I had started talking about that. And women's responses were just overwhelming. I just say the word guilt and women would be like, oh, yes, what am I not guilty about? <laughs> and I began wondering, is this just a coincidence that I'm Mm. having this reaction from women or are women really feeling more guilty than men? As I started doing the research, I realized that women are more guilt prone for a number of reasons around just how we're wired. We're very relational, right? And guilt Mm -hmm. is about fearing that we're causing harm to someone else. But the thing that really struck me is most of the guilt women were talking about is what I call false guilt. Mm. It wasn't authentic guilt. They had not actually done something wrong. Wow. And so I wanted to be able to walk any reader, even if it's a man, but largely it just turned out it's women, walk them through the process of letting go of false guilt. And if you really have done something wrong, here's the process for moving through guilt when you've actually done something wrong, because we all do things wrong sometimes. Absolutely. Wow. That sounds like an awesome book. And I, I would love for our listeners to to just hear that because I think as women who work not only in the marketplace, but also in ministry, 
there can be there can be that false guilt, right? And and so where we talk a lot about how men can compartmentalize, sometimes women don't compartmentalize. And so when they're not at home, they feel that pull that they're supposed to be there. And when they're yeah. at home, they full, feel the pull that I'm supposed to be working. And so just trying to figure out how to bring all that together. I think this is an important piece of work for women to just step back and, and read and hear what you're saying there, which is yeah. let's let go of things that aren't ours to carry. It really is. And the bigger problem comes when we allow guilt into the driver's seat, when guilt starts making our decisions, when we allow someone else's guilt trip to control what we choose to do or not to do, when we're not speaking up anymore, when we're not asking for what we want, when we're not doing the things we need to be doing out of this sense of guilt. And it can be very easy not to notice, why are you doing that? Why did you say yes to that when you really meant no? it often is a feeling of guilt. There's often this persistent, like I'm not doing enough. I am not enough. I've got to do more. And when we don't define what more is or what enough is, we can constantly feel this sense of guilt. So one of the things I discovered is women reading the book and saying, I didn't think I had a guilt issue, but you know, I like your book. So I thought I would buy it. And by the fifth page, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> so a lot of times it's we don't call it guilt, it, but it yeah. is, I'm not exercising enough. I'm not working enough. I've mm-hmm. eaten too much. I've You fill in the blank of what it is. We actually surveyed about 600 women for the book, and it was amazing that what some of those top things were. The top two guilt triggers were around eating and exercise, followed by my kids, <laughs> my, my kids. <laughs> And the, this feeling that we just never have done enough. And a lot of that goes back to what we were saying earlier around upward social comparisons. Yeah. We're constantly looking around. We don't really know what all's going on in someone's life, but we see we see the perfect party set up. We see mm-hmm. what they're doing in their business or their career. We see whatever. And we're thinking, gosh, I'm so lazy. Why can't I get it together? Like we just <laughs> are so hard on ourselves. And what I wanted is for all of us, to number one, Mm -hmm. stop beating ourselves up and to take back the joy that guilt really can steal. And one of the biggest pieces in that I have found is humility, is getting to that point of realizing I'm not perfect and that's okay. (laughs) That's just what it is. Now I'm going to continue to try to learn and to grow and to do my best, but I'm not beating myself up for being human. I'm going to not only receive forgiveness from a spiritual perspective that God forgives me, but if he forgives me, surely I can forgive myself for whatever imperfections I think that I have. Wow. There is something so freeing about saying it out loud. I'm not perfect. And just a freedom that comes from being Mm -hmm. able to say that and mean it and know it and not have to walk in, in the shadow of what other people expect you to be. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I want to piggyback on what you just said about not having to be what others expect us to be. That is the biggest source of guilt and misdirection when it comes to our goals and our vision. Wow. You have to make sure, sometimes you have to reset your expectations. Get clear about your values, what matters most to you, and set your own expectations based on that. Wow. And so oftentimes we're allowing others' expectations yes. to become our measuring stick. 
we haven't checked in with God. Mm. What are you expecting of me in this season? Some of us have outdated expectations. Things that worked five years ago don't work anymore now. Wow. You're a mom or now your kids are in school or now they're out of the house or you're in a different place in your career or whatever. You're a different mm-hmm. age. You've got different yeah. goals and we don't reset expectations. So if you just take a moment and say, hey, what's my expectation specifically of myself in this area where I'm feeling guilty or I'm feeling like I'm not measuring up? Reset it and let go of any expectations that have been put upon you that don't line up with what you're hearing from God for this season of your life. It can be so very freeing because what you want is to know that you are exactly in the place you're meant to be at this point in time. Sometimes that just takes slowing down, praying about it, listening and moving forward in the way that you feel a sense of peace. Wow. That's an amazing final thought. <laughs> I I thank you so much for being with us today. And I hope that our listeners will really not only hear what you said, but take it in and make that their own, that they need to update. That is a huge takeaway for me personally, too. Yeah. We need to update our expectation based on where we're at in the season of our life and not try to hold ourselves accountable for things that were so five, 10 years ago. Yes. So good. <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Natalie. (laughs) Well, you can follow Valerie on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you can go over to her website, ValerieBurton.com. And you can also follow her on Instagram. So ladies, if you have not had a chance to step into community, I would love for you to do that with us now. You can head over to thrivetoday.com and get signed up for our subscription. You get incredible magazines like the one you just heard us talking about today as well as books and all these other things that come to you as well as monthly coaching. So don't miss out on all that's happening on the Thrive Today platform. And as you live your life, don't forget to do it with leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.